Hey, what's going on everyone? This is Manny from Ombre Gaming. Just a quick heads up about this episode. Uh, we actually recorded this one on March 30th, so it was before we went to PAX, and then we ended up recording the PAX episode just after we got back, and it was such a whirlwind, but this was sitting in our backlog, and we wanted to be sure we got it out to you because it's a really great episode. We have Christine on it, which is always really fun. Uh, so you'll notice that we mentioned that it's episode 23 a few times. Don't worry, you haven't gone back in time. This is episode 24. Uh, and also the news that we include in the patch notes towards the end of the show is a little bit outdated but otherwise it's a great episode and i think you'll really enjoy it also if you're interested tomorrow on thursday april 19th at 7 30 p.m eastern we're going to be doing a live podcast recording on our twitch channel so you can find us at twitch.tv slash ombra underscore gaming if you want to check out how we do things behind the scenes if you want to ask some questions we'll be answering them live on the podcast so come on in join in on the podcast fun we would love to have you and as always wherever you are wherever you're listening from we appreciate you and we'll talk to you very soon Good day to you and welcome to episode 23 of the Ombra Gaming Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Manny, and as always, I'm here with two of the most insightful and earnest young people I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. Steve and Christine, how are you guys doing today? I find you to be insightful and earnest as well. Thank you. <laughs> so thank you. I learned from the best and you guys are the best. How are you guys doing? It's early. We're recording in, in the morning times, yes. which is unusual for it's us. A, it's a morning Friday recording, too, yeah. which is very rare. Um, but we have the day off thanks to certain religious holidays, which... Shall not be named. <laughs> I'll take the day off. Whatever. Works for me. Yes. Yeah. For, for certain religious folks. <laughs> thanks. For today's episode... We have all sorts of exciting things to talk about. We're going to kick it off with some uh, initial impressions of Far Cry 5, which Steve and I have been playing and enjoying very much. Um, and then we're going to talk about, uh, just generally speaking, I know this is sort of a big sort of big topic, but we're going to be talking about uh, gaming trends, what are some of the trends that we see developing now and where we think they're going to be going in the next you know months and years. And then we will close it out with patch notes and some community stuff as well. But before we get to any of that, let's keep the house on this beautiful Friday morning. First up on housekeeping, please follow us on social media. We are at Ombra underscore gaming on Twitter and at Ombra gaming on Instagram. It'd be cool if you followed us there. We also have a Discord. You can find our Discord invite link in our Twitter bio. It's a great, great group of people. I think we're, I think we're like mid-30s now uh in in number and everyone's awesome everyone's just great uh a lot of fun conversations going on all day and all night about gaming and all things related uh so check us out there and have some fun with us if you feel so inclined uh we're also on twitch you can check us out at twitch.tv slash ombra underscore gaming uh we stream pretty regularly almost every day of the week uh we stream pc stuff uh ps4 stuff sometimes xbox stuff we do all sorts of cool shit, so come check us out there. We would love to have you. Uh, we also have a phone number that you can call and leave us a voicemail to share your thoughts about the podcast or 
an article or about whatever else, give us a call. And that number is 347-509-5620. If you want to give us a call and share your thoughts, we would love to have you. Unless you're a person that is racist. Please don't call us if that is the case. And a last on housekeeping. As always, this episode is brought to you by Insert Coin Clothing, where you can look good and game great. If you haven't checked out insertcoinclothing.com, I highly recommend it. In fact, I'm wearing an Insert Coin Clothing hoodie right now, and I recommend you grab some shit as well. So head over to insertcoinclothing.com, put some rad gamer clothing in your shopping bag, and when you go to check out, use the code OMBRA18IC for an exclusive 15% off deal for our listeners, readers, and supporters. You can get 15% off your next purchase, but that code does not apply to items that are already on sale or bundled items, but you still got lots of options. So check them out at insertcoinclothing.com. So now that the house is all clean, let's get on with the show. Let's start Far Cry 5, shall we? So let's start off by, let me ask, let me ask you this. So everybody knows Steve and I are big, big fans of the franchise and we love Far Cry. Christine, have you played any of the Far Cry games? I have not. You're missing out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you are missing out. I Well, I've only played, uh, I played uh, a little bit of two in college. It was just tough because you're living in a, you know, one of those suites with the common room. You only have so much time to play video games like because everybody wants the TV and all that. And that's a game that you really have to like sit back and put a bunch of time into. So I didn't really get too into Far Cry 2, but I loved Far Cry 4. It kind of sucked because I wanted to get into Far Cry 3, but after playing 4, I kind of really didn't want to go back <laughs> to like the PS3. And yeah. just, just knowing how some of the mechanics, and I know some of the ways around the map, aren't as easy as it is now because Far Cry 4 had the little gyrocopter and now you can just get like a right. helicopter or a plane wherever you want but far cry 3 was all like that first person driving and i gotta tell you i hate <laughs> the driving <laughs> yeah game. the drive ubisoft has just i don't think anyone at ubisoft has ever driven an actual car <laughs> um because their driving mechanics are kind of shit across all of their games but um i played far cry 2 i played 3 i played a little bit of blood dragon um i did not play primal i uh, i was actually excited for it when it came out and then like it got kind of mixed to poor reviews and a few friends that i watched play it were just like and eh, it doesn't really move the needle it was as much as all far cry games are map icon hunter simulators <laughs> like yeah. you chase the icons on the map and you enjoy a story along the way and you have some fun with stuff primal looked to be that times a thousand like there were no vehicles there were no guns it was all spears knives and a bow and arrow but in any case so that i guess that's i just wanted to sort of clarify what, what our approach to the far cry series is um but yeah so far cry 5 came out last week this week last week i guess well far cry 5 came out on march 27th and uh both steve and i got it on release day yeah we both took the day <laughs> off we both took the day off and it coincided with my thumb surgery um so it was bad, planning. Bad, planning. bad planning but a good excuse to get out of work <laughs> so we both pre-ordered the gold edition which came with some extra items um and like skins in game for weapons uh it came with um a bunch of extra content as well like the three I guess they're DLCs. Steve, yeah, they're right? going to be DLCs that the, yeah. that'll be released over time. 
Yeah, um, and so we'll have those when they get released, and it, and it also, the the gold edition also comes with an uh, an ad- a remastered version of or not remastered what's the what's the edition well, i like, think they just um, call it like uh, a classic version classic, of yeah. far cry 3 which yeah uh, this, that's the reason i got the gold edition is because now i have a chance to play it yeah which i'm really excited for for you to experience far cry 3 you've hyped it up a lot so i gotta tell you it has yeah the bar is set really high and i know i already know i'm gonna be pissed off at some of the game mechanics because it's gonna feel outdated <laughs> I know I'm already just putting that hurdle in front of me because I know I'm going to have to jump over it. Yeah, that's probably smart. I mean, like the travel mechanics aren't as developed. It's not that they're not good. There just is no, there's no flying. Like there's no flying vehicles that you can control. I think there's a couple points where you get in a plane, but it's the whole, you know, that whole mission is on rails and you're basically not in control of the plane. Yeah, no, it wasn't ideal. But I do think Far Cry 5, I mean, I'm sorry, Far Cry 3 is at least right now, like still number one, I've only played a handful of hours of five, but um, Voss as the enemy, um, as like the main baddie in Far Cry 3 is incredible. Amazing performance. Um, yeah, you've talked about him a lot. So yeah, uh, that, that, that's the main reason I want to go through Far Cry yeah. 3 is because I do want to witness him. Because it's not just you that's talked about him a lot. He's like renowned as one of the best villains in gaming. Yeah, for sure. So. I kind of want to witness that firsthand. The story is good. Um, I think it's a little bit better than Far Cry 4, actually. Um, I won't spoil anything, but the general gist is that you play uh, an apparently rich white dude who goes to this island for vacation with his friends, and some creepy natives of the island kidnap your friends. But, but you escape early on, and it's essentially like, how do you rescue your friends? What do you do? Um, and it's sort of like training you to master the island and, and learn how to, you know, craft medicine and, and sort of master all the resources on the island. So I feel like it's more fitting for a Far Cry game than Far Cry 4 was. I know, Steve, you and I have talked about Pagan Min as the bad guy in Far Cry 4. And you described him as forgettable. And that's, I think, the perfect way to describe him. <laughs> I, would, I would definitely say it's forgettable. I thought, I mean, Troy Baker naturally does a great job portraying him. I mean, I don't think there's a, a bad mm-hmm. Troy Baker. No job out there so <laughs> yeah he can really do no wrong but the, the whole concept of it just didn't really so with me it's like this guy goes you know um, a- aj goes there to put his mother's ashes um because that's what she wanted and pagan was like oh i loved her and it's just like and then the whole concept is like he never really wanted to kill him he just wanted to like let him hang out and it's like why are you trying to kill him all this time and like, i don't know <laughs> yeah i don't know. Uh, i don't know how to be i friends. thought like the I thought, like, the, the little kind of, like, Civil War aspect of it was cool, but the, the whole storyline was kind of forgettable, because, like, at the end of the game, I was like, I really didn't care what happened to to that place. Like, I feel like that character, like, AJ, is like, whatever, I'm gonna go home now. So, I did all this shit, and now you guys can figure it out. Bye. Yeah. I will say, one of my favorite parts of 4 was, like, those arena battles. I forget what they're called. Um, I think it's just called the arena. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Where you had to like survive against waves of of different animals and stuff. Yeah, that was the badgers always (laughs) always killed me. Yeah. So, um, what are what's your take so far in Far Cry Five? I know you're a little bit ahead of me in terms of campaign, um, but what's your what's your take right now? How are you feeling about it? Yeah, I mean, as of recording right now, I'd say I probably put about ten or eleven or so hours into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I took down um, one of the regions, so I took down John's region. Uh, you can pretty mm-hmm. much do it in any order. I felt like when it started, it kind of led you to go down to John's region first. Yeah. But like you can do whatever you want because you can go wherever you want on the map, and when you start talking to people, that's when missions start popping up. 
Um, I've kind of focused mostly on the main story. I've done a handful of side missions and stuff like that, and then I've got uh, I've done some of the challenges that pop up. I think it's very fun, just like every other Far Cry game. Like you could do some crazy stuff, and some of the missions are more on the funny side as opposed to the serious side, which is nice. I like how they always have that kind of um, that nice balance between serious and entertainment. Yeah, um, yeah. I will say I do already find the father to be a much more compelling villain than Pagan Oh, Mid. absolutely. For me, I think it's just the natural aspect of the whole religious cult thing is something that I think is very real. Like, I think it happens yes. more <laughs> often than you than you, than you know. Um, um, this comes from actually going through, like, 13 years of Catholic school. So I, I have my thoughts on religion and things like that. So when I see things... Like, a, a, a storyline like this, it's very easy for me to believe it. Yeah. Oh, man, the opening scene is chilling. I thought um, the the way they tied in the music where it was almost like, I feel like, because we talked about this, where it was either piano keys or maybe even just xy- like a xylophone, like someone was actually just dinging a xylophone. But it was timed so perfectly when the father reaches his hands out for you to arrest him. Oh, man, that's like the first five minutes of the game. I was like, ooh, wow, this is really yeah, good. It is pretty, it's, it's like really intense. And I think it's interesting if you look at Far Cry 3, 4, and 5, right? Far Cry 3, the main villain, villain is Vas Montenegro, and he's voiced by Michael Mando. So Michael Mando actually auditioned for a different role, and he got the role of Vas because he was really creepy. Um, he looks like Vas, and he dressed up like Vas to do all the motion capture. He look, like it's The character is modeled after this, this actor, so they're identical. He has the mohawk, the hair, the scar, everything. Same thing with the father. So the father is voiced by Greg Burke or Bjork. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but he dressed up. He has the man bun. He has the creepy glasses. He has the jacket and the jeans and the belt. Like he does everything. Far Cry 4, obviously Pagan Min looks nothing like Troy Baker. Pagan Min is Asian, right? And so like maybe that has, maybe that's a, a piece of why Pagan Min was so forgettable because the other voice actor is actually embodied, portrayed in real life the villain they looked like them they took on their persona um there was actually a small um i guess like a short film um that's actually out on amazon and it's greg Bierk or burke playing the father and it's actually like it's like a movie like it, it's it's from the inside perspective of eden's gate um which is his sort of region in uh it's like where all the bad guys come from it's like the the area that the cult controls yeah um in far cry 5 so i think it's interesting like i just realized that Pagan Min is a character that wasn't actually embodied by the voice actor who played him. And maybe that's why he is so forgettable. I think that um, definitely would have a, a part to play in it because for sure. it's just not the same. Uh, it's not the same delivery when you really break it down. Like, and that's not, yeah. that's not a shot at Troy Baker. I mean, again, right. like, no, not the guy, he, I mean, did, he did a great job. Talented. It's just, I also just thought that like the motives, I don't know. I, I, because you can kind of say the same thing about Far Cry 5 in terms of the motives. Like, I feel like they're just kind of replays of similar tropes that you've seen before. Like, it's nothing new. Um, like, Far Cry 4, it was, oh, he loved that woman. So this is what he's trying to do now because he was so in love with her. So now he's trying to give everything to, you know, the son. But then, obviously, the son wants to help the Civil War as opposed to him because that guy's a dictator. And then this one is just like guy's religious freak. He builds a cult following, uses the cult to usher in his demands. Like that's been done before. 
but this portrayal is unique because he's almost like some hipster <laughs> priest. Like it's so he's yeah. got a man bone. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. I so um, it, it's kind of a unique take on it, and I think it's cool that they actually put it in Montana because like we've done the island thing before so many times with Far Cry that there's almost a, a nice beautiful simplicity to setting it in Montana. Um, I do wish and we talked like me and Caleb are talking about this in the Discord yesterday. I do wish they would lighten up on the enemy patrols because I feel like you you just can't go like more than two minutes without somebody bearing down on you. Oh yeah. Yeah. I would say like fifteen, twenty seconds. It's way more frequent than than both of its both of the games that came before. One of the things that I was like kind of concerned about, and I still am because I'm I'm early in the game is how they were going to treat an American setting because all of the other settings have been foreign, whether whether they've been in like a made-up part of India or on a made-up island. They've never been like Eastern domestically U.S. settings. And so it's interesting, even so far, it's been interesting to see how essentially a French studio is, is creating this American setting and treating American characters. Um, so I'll be interested to see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's definitely a Far Cry game. You know, it has all those mechanics that, that we enjoy. I think Far Cry 3 and 4 did a good job at explaining all the systems um, and explaining, not even explaining, but like uh, walking you through them, pushing you through early stage gameplay um, to figure out what all the systems are. I thought the Far Cry 5 like tutorial mission which was like essentially that first little tiny island that you have to essentially liberate. I didn't think it was great because there wasn't much to do. It was basically like go to a prepper stash and then liberate a radio tower. Whereas like the real game involves taking over outposts, like understanding combat, understanding your map, understanding looting, understanding weapon slots, et cetera, et cetera. So I wish there was just more to that tutorial. But even in the early game, I think I've put maybe three to four, maybe five hours. I've enjoyed that. Um, and like I said, it's it's definitely a Far Cry game, and that's what we signed up for. So, but yeah, I've been enjoying the game. It's fun. I I want to mention also that actually one of the items that comes with the gold edition is like a is a lever action rifle, and so I bought it, put a suppressor on it, and a scope and everything. So it essentially became my sniper rifle. And I was fighting. Uh, I, I was taking out some some of the cultists near a shrine yesterday. It was at like midnight or whatever. And I zoomed in on one of them, and I was sort of on top of a hill, sort of down. I had, like, the higher ground. And I zoomed in, and I shot him in the chest. And the gun makes this really, like, powerful pop, even with the suppressor. And I don't know what happened, but, like, the game, like, glitched out. And the guy got shot, and he flew directly into the map. Like, he flew <laughs> into the ground and just, like, straight up disappeared. And I was like, oh, my God, this gun is so powerful. That's like, funny. He was just like, <laughs> he just like shattered the world <laughs> it was awesome yeah no the the weapons are are very cool um and i actually did a few more of those like um little you know like the little arcade races that you can do um and like that unlocks cars and stuff which is cool um so i know, I know you hate those but if you complete no them, i hated you... the plane i hate i hate the plane god yeah. damn do i hate the planes I was okay with it, but that was pretty... Christine, we did this, like, mission where essentially we're both racing two seaplanes through, like, hoops, and you have to go through all the targets. I crashed <laughs> like, every time. I would be <laughs> flying behind him, and we'd be, like, approaching, like, you know, you have to kind of dip and turn and, like, then go up and pull in different directions. 
and I'd be flying behind them, and he would just like catch his <laughs> wing on everything that we flew, like a tree, and then he would like spin out. That would be me. I'm terrible at like yeah. racing. It was and re- it was really funny I to watch. I hate yeah. first person view for any type of driving or flying. It's because you can't see anything around you like there's, yeah. no, there's literally you're no peripheral it's terrible with like blinders as on, if you're yeah. actually yeah. flying <laughs> that's what yeah. we were we were talking about because i mean it's always been a first person game but after playing wildlands far cry would be so much better if you could do third person <laughs> it would be so much better See, i didn't also, know another thing is game. like F- far cry has so much character customization which is a first for the series but yeah you can't see your character. That seems I know. stupid. I actually, you'll you'll see when we play today. I changed my shirt. I think um, I think you'll appreciate it. Okay, it's I a nice shirt. To it. Yeah, like the only way to appreciate clothes is to play with somebody else and ask them what you look like. <laughs> <laughs> How do I? Can look? you describe it to me? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, good game. I'm excited to keep going today. It should be fun. Um, Christine, you should get it. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> well. Let's move on to the topic of the pod, which is gaming trends. Um, so I know this is sort of like a big topic and will probably result in a lot of random speculation. Um, but I think there are a lot of trends that are emerging now and that have sort of peaked in the last handful of months and years. Um, and you can kind of see, not necessarily a pattern, but you can see sort of um, a, a development cycle of how trends take from other trends, iterate on them, become better and I think one of the more interesting parts also is how the industry and how consumers are reacting. And that's really dictating a lot of these trends. Um, So I think we can start by maybe going around, and if we need a moment to think about it, we can, maybe going around and bringing up what is, for you, an exciting trend that you see happening now, one that kind of just gets you you all jazzed up. So something I've noticed that's become a lot more popular recently is... Games that were developed for console or PC are now getting ported to mobile and they're getting almost as much traffic as they would their predecessors. So everyone knows I work in a school and literally the policy is if it's up to the teacher, if the kids can go on their phones. So I follow the classroom teacher's policy wherever I am and if they let them go on their phones, say, okay, it's fine when you're done with your work. They all whip out their phone and they're either on Fortnite or PUBG. Every single one of them does like sixth, seventh, eighth grade, all of them. And you can tell because they're like all watching each other and playing. It's absolutely insane. And yeah, yeah it's really it's crazy. I'm like, what are they doing? And you look around and that's all they're playing. Mostly Fortnite because I work with a younger population, but um, the older kids tend to play PUBG. I don't even know how you would play those games on a mobile phone. I, I, I truly don't get it. Yeah, I've seen people play PUBG on mobile, and it's a lot of, like, dragging your finger around to, like, look in different directions and shit. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, my God. That's nuts. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that's, like, a really good one because we are seeing that trend happen, and I feel like mobile gaming, and maybe I'm wrong because I'm not a huge mobile gamer, but I feel like mobile gaming has just become a bigger part of the industry. Um, If you look at, like, awards that that are given out, like, they're just getting a lot more visibility than I think they have in the past, and I think the fact that like you're right like PUBG and Fortnite getting ported to mobile that's crazy that's huge yeah and there's other games that have already been like you could play Minecraft you can play like different tales games there's a lot that have already been ported but yeah. because yeah. these two like, are I think uh, like Fire Emblem is really popular on mobile too 
but just because these two are like really popular right now and like what they're not even i don't think they're even when did PUBG even come out i don't know if they're even a year old yet like officially officially in december i guess yeah Yeah. so it's absolutely insane to me like in a good way in an interesting way because i think Uh, yeah it's definitely smart you're reaching different gamers that don't like people that only play games on their phone they don't have like a console or pc to really run anything but now they have an opportunity to play with other people and they're both free like PUBG mobile is free i was like what (laughs) so because you have to think too because like just about every kid has a cell phone, yes. but not every kid has a gaming console. Exactly. So it's smart on them to start marketing towards people who already have a system of some kind in their hand. So just for, I was just looking up like different like grossing mobile games and Pokemon Go on this list was number one at over. Oh, yeah, they just added like quest lines. Yes. Too. Yeah. And think of like when we would play Pokemon, it was either like on N64 Game Boy and now you could just play it on your phone. It grossed over $1.5 million. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Pretty fucking good. And I believe the game is free. Because yeah, I have so... I download I, I had it at first. It eats up It eats like, up your data though. Your battery yeah. and yeah. data. Yeah. If yeah. you're not yeah. on Wi Fi. When I when I first started playing it, I was like, Oh, this is awesome. And then yes. my bill was like Excuse me, sir, you have to pay us $170 for all those Pokemans you caught. Yep. I also wasn't interested at first because it was just like, all right, you just catch them, that's it. Like, there wasn't anything cool you could do. Like, you couldn't, they didn't, like, put, like, boss battles or something that you could go walk up the street. Now you have the gyms, yeah. Yeah, it it, it is interesting. And I think, like, if you can just, if you can reach more people with your brand, like, it, so those games are free, but, like, they're probably getting a handful of people who are converting to console or PC players, you know? Like, if they're playing a game like PUBG or Fortnite on their phones, they probably already have at least a console, or they're thinking about getting a console, or they're in the process of convincing their parents to get them a console, and when they do, they're probably going to get PUBG or Fortnite, right? Um, and so, like, I, I imagine it, it can't be that much of an investment to get it developed for mobile, because that's just going to act as a feeder to, to console and paid versions, so that's probably pretty smart. I'm kind of a businessman, so uh, <laughs> it is what it is. Manny the businessman. I'll go next. I think a trend that I see sort of developing and gaining traction and one that I'm excited for in some ways and nervous and, and maybe a little standoffish in some other ways is just the narrowing the scope of how VR can be used as an entertain- as an entertainment platform. Um, I think we're in this interesting like in-between stage like we're not quite at a place where we know where we can like feel good about investing in VR because we're still working out the kinks right yeah it's still very much in the beginning phases yeah like Oculus has come out with I think two and and if you consider the Oculus Go then like three versions Um, HTC Vive has at least two models out there so like everyone is, is kind of in their second life cycle with the exception of maybe like psvr and then like some of the early or uh, you know the smaller guys who don't really have the same industry cachet but um yeah it seems like we're in this place where we're like okay there's huge potential for vr we're going to keep developing things because people out there who are hardcore and are willing to invest and able to invest seven eight nine hundred dollars in this gear and these games will play and give us the feedback we need to get better and iterate um, and become a more reliable form of entertainment. Um, it's just like, you look at the Apple Watch, right? It's like the same thing. Like a bunch of early adopters bought it when it first came out. 
and Apple's like, cool, this is, these are our training wheels, and then we're going to learn how to develop, develop it better, and we're going to release 2.0, 3.0, whatever, and it'll be that much better because of those early adopters. And a lot of people um, have an Apple Watch now, so yeah, it got exactly. really popular. Yeah, and like I have an HTC Vive, and it's great. Uh, there's there's obvious jank to a lot of games and, and experiences, but like the fact that I can put on um, goggles and like and and play these like crazy and go through these crazy experiences is awesome and i think that's like that enough for me that that for me is enough to invest in this early stuff but i don't i don't see myself investing in anything else until it really gains its footing once the scope is narrowed because right now the scope is so big it's like let's do this let's do shooters let's do rpgs let's do flight simulators let's do this let's do that and like it just it's not it can't be all of those things. It can only be a handful of things. And so I think once VR as a, as a whole figures out what those handful of things are, then it'll be an amazing, an amazing thing that, that everybody wants to would, would want to invest in. Um, I still don't like PSVR. <laughs> Holding know, true. Now Steve has some words on that later, but I do not I a do. lot. You can say unless it's, Hey, PSVR is, not garbage anymore um (laughs) so yeah i don't know i'm excited to see where it goes i still play a handful of games um on the vive when i feel like setting all that shit up (laughs) um i think when i move i'll probably put some like permanent structures around my room that i can just like fire it up whenever but right now i'm like oh gotta set up the stand (laughs) (laughs) takes like fucking half an hour um but in any case yeah what about you steve one of the the trends i like seeing now is kind of almost a return to retro which kind of leads into the idea of trends just being cyclical like all these games that were really popular back in the you know the late 80s early 90s where you get like the 2d style um platformers you get like the scrolling type style of games as well they're kind of making a resurgence especially with the popularity of the nintendo switch and i'm hoping this is what i think we talked about this a couple episodes ago i'm hoping one of the things that that online features of the nintendo switch offer is kind of like a almost like a library that you can access of some of those old nintendo games that you can play on the go with the switch this goes back to when we talked about difficulty in games that there's uh an inherent call to gamers in those in those styles of video games where it's like there is a challenge here it's it seems like it's a very simple concept but you're gonna bash your head against the wall trying to figure out certain ways to advance levels just because it is so simple and there is so little room for error when you get like just think about like mario when you're hopping over pipes and stuff and then you touch touch the wrong thing where you're coming down (laughs) on a jump and you hit him with the front of your body as opposed to actually hitting him with your feet and that kills you so like those little things are always uh, a fun little challenge to gamers and you don't get that same little nuance with all the new age games. So I think with the retro retro popping up with games in the style like Celeste and uh, Cuphead as well as like Super Meat Boy, they all kind of adopted that retro style. Even um, Not A Hero, I'm not sure if you ever played that, but that's another kind of like 2D scroller. So there's a lot of them out there that are becoming really popular again. And then we have another one coming out soon, Bomb Chicken, which looks like a <laughs> lot of fun. Um, I don't know if you've seen anything on it, but it's basically just I like haven't. two controls. You basically, you don't, there's no jump. 
you just uh, move and you drop bombs. And so, like, if you need to get to, like, another level, you just stack enough bombs and, like, roll roll off of it before they blow up. <laughs> oh, my God. And it's just this, like, rolling, like, weird little chicken that just drops bombs. So I'm looking forward to that. I feel like it'll be a fun time. But it'll, it's going to be one of those things where I'm going to get frustrated because, of course, <laughs> like, I won't stack enough or I'll get blown up by my own bombs. But those are the those fun little challenges that keep people coming back. And it, it's, it's attractive to all different levels of gamers like old gamers people our age and then as well as the younger generation anybody can really pick up those games and start playing them because there is such a small learning curve so i think the return to retro it's a fun side because it's video games not taking themselves too seriously if there's one thing gamers love it's nostalgia so (laughs) yeah so let's then talk about what we think might be the next thing and i know it's hard to predict obviously like this is all like shots in the dark but um i think we can sort of extrapolate what we think might be um some trends that we see emerging and developing in the next you know handful of months and years because this all stemmed from fortnite and PUBG, really the the battle royale style game really just blowing up and becoming all the rage because uh, we, we've talked about this before where we've heard rumors that Rockstar might be implementing this in Red Dead Online. And if they do, I guarantee it's going to be better than PUBG and <laughs> Fortnite. You can fight me on that. 1v1 me. Because if Rockstar pulls, if Rockstar sets their mind to it, you know it's going to be fantastic. I mean, if they, like, I think for me and for a lot of people who are into those kinds of games, like, I think Rockstar would need to change their combat mechanics. Like, they're objectively bad. I know you kind of like them, and that's fine. And, like, I like them in a handful of ways, too. But they're so shitty. And, like, movement is super, like, it's not conducive to PvP playing at all. Like, that's why, like, P- like uh, GTA Online is such a shit show. Because, like, there's, it's kind of a level playing field almost because of how shitty the movement and comic mechanics are. Like, it doesn't, I don't, it doesn't need to log on. I don't need it to log on, uh, lock on. But you look at games like PUBG, which has a lot of jank too. But you look at games like PvP and, and Ghost Recon, Recon Wildlands. Those those are built to be PvP games. So I would hope that if they do Red Dead, some kind of you know arena battle in Red Dead, I would hope they at least consider like. I hope it's not just like, hey, people like this shit. Let's make it an arena battle game. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> well, no, I, I think it's just going to be things. a mode. Like I, I don't think it would be. Yeah, that's all it would. No, be. I know it's not not just the game, but I don't know. I hope. Some things change. That being said, like I'd be down for that too, depending. I, I honestly feel like the uh, the fighting mechanics in Grand Theft Auto Online kind of makes sense because when you really think about it, all the characters are just supposed to be like everyday people who just <laughs> yeah. decide to like pick up all these weapons. And become <laughs> That's criminals. true. Yeah. So why would I they try to be murder good at everyone that? today instead of going to work? <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. So in that sense, it kind of it kind of works, but um, I think the things that they've learned i'm setting the bar high for them just because they've always they've always kind of met my expectations so i think they'll take what they have learned and try to apply it to you know red dead online because i think it it will be it's a different style of game than grand theft auto you know the western i think it's more acclimated to a shooter because honestly i thought red dead redemption i thought the shooting was fine yeah yeah so this is sort of like a vague prediction but i think the next trend has to be in multiplayer um like i think something will come out of interacting with other players that's going to change the landscape of video games just like arena battle stuff like h1z1 paved a lot of the ground for or paved a lot of the path for 
games like PUBG and Fortnite. And because that was an interactive multiplayer experience, like that changed video games as a whole. And so I think it's just going to continue to happen. Um, so I don't, I don't know what it is, and I would hope that Death Stranding has a part to play in this change, but I think there's going to be something that's going to come along and actually change the foundation of what multiplayer gaming is like. I'm not a smart man, <laughs> and I don't know what that's going to be, but like Kojima has said, like this will be a different multiplayer experience, referring to Death Stranding. So, and I don't, again, I, I'm, I'm not saying Kojima is the messiah that messiah that will change video games, even though he is. <laughs> but uh, like, I think something is going to come along, and whether it's a mode or whether it's a feature or whether I, I don't know what it is, but I don't think it's come going to come out of campaign single player stuff. I think it's going to come out of how we interact with other gamers. And it's going to, I mean, it's going to take from things that came before it and it's going to iterate. And I don't know. I, I'm basically being like, something's going to happen and <laughs> yeah, it's going to be is, nuts. This is such a, insight, remember when we talked about being insightful and earnest? This is really insightful. Yeah. Are you changing <laughs> your mind? <laughs> no, no, um, I'll keep it. I'll keep it as is until you so prove yeah, otherwise. I, I, I don't know what it is. Um, like Kojima has referred to Death Stranding as like a social experience. And, well, do you um, think that perhaps it could be something in the same vein as the game that just came out a way out where you have to work together yeah you like, can't play without somebody style. else yeah. yeah could it be something yeah because like i could yeah. see a lot of games trying to do what a way out did because i mean we uh, caleb and brian were playing it I, I think me and you should definitely check it out they were saying it's nothing like groundbreaking um but there there is some fun to be had while you're playing it I think if like a, a real big studio got their hands on that type of concept, there's no telling what they could accomplish because this was just it's the fuck the Oscars guy. I, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, not gonna learn his name because his name. honestly, that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like we get it, dude. Like you hate movies and you used to do movies and now you're doing video games. So like you're cool because you switch sides. I, I don't give a fuck about any of that. Like just make a good game. Like don't <laughs> don't go out and grandstand on the game awards and just hog the mic from Jeff Keighley for like 15 minutes. That <laughs> right, was right. cringeworthy. So I think if some big studio got their hands on that concept, I think there is a lot to be had with that style of game. Because I, I agree. Even even hearing negative reviews, it looks like a lot of fun. And games have done this in the past. Like there's a game uh, called Monaco that um, like Reese and I used to yeah, play. Yeah, uh, I've seen that. It's it's a lot of fun, and like every player has a different character, and every character has a different set of abilities and like sort of perks and skills. Um, and so it is that same thing of like the only way we can accomplish this is by playing with other people and, and cooperating. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that is a good point. I think like solely relying on cooperative play can be really interesting. Um, so, again, I I'm fucking shooting in the dark. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but something transformative is going to come out of multiplayer gaming um, and it's going to make everyone shit themselves. And I'm excited for it. Well, it's actually <laughs> <laughs> so actually my prediction for uh, a gaming trend that I think is going to get more traction kind of goes with yours because yours relates to multiplayer is I think that we're going to see more of a rise in cross-platforming um, especially with oh, the Sea of Thieves so. being you can play on whatever for the most part I think that's something that's going to become more popular so which I hope so because I think it's great um, I know like companies don't want to really do that because like Oh, we want to make the money so you can only play on our games. But 
Yeah, like said everyone at Sony <laughs> together at the same time. Yeah, they're really they're really against it. it seems. It's so <laughs> and it's not that they don't have the capabilities, which it's such, no, they so clearly easy. do. Yeah, like what game was it where like they accidentally Rocket turned it on? Yeah, Rocket League. Rocket League yeah. Like, come on, there's no. It's so stupid. I don't see honestly as like from my perspective, it'd be so much fun to be able to play with everybody. Like, it's like an, an almost an everybody wins scenario because you're going to still make money off of your console exclusive stuff. You know, like, just fucking suck it up and let the multiplayer games like Rocket League or Sea of Thieves be cross-platform. Like, you're going to make money off God of War and all your other fucking stuff, so give me a break. Yeah, I would love for that day to come because I think that was one of the things we talked about in the What If episode, Steve, where, like, what if, you know, games were cross-platform, like, across the board all the time. Yeah, um, I still think so it yeah. sucks if you are playing Overwatch on PS4 and you get cross-platformed by a PC yeah. person. I think that yeah. would be the worst thing of all time. And another thing that people have brought up is they're worried about cross-platforming because it's easier to hack games on PC. So if you are playing with somebody online and you're on a console and they're on a PC and they can hack shit, they have the advantage. And it is it is a valid concern, um, and I think those are the things people will have to address because cross-platform is going to get more in-depth. It's not something that's going to go away because there is a desire for it, not just from game companies, but from the consumers, and that's what drives these companies to make these decisions. Well, I think they could put like maybe a, like a safe hold of some sort in place, like you can have the option of allowing like who you want to play with like maybe put in like okay matchmaking options like disallow pc or disallow xbox or disallow ps4 like that should be an option viable so it's like i only want to play with pc and ps4 players and i don't want to play with microsoft like that should be an option i think so uh steve what's your tell us about the future what do you see happening? The uh, trend I see, I'm actually going to go opposite of you, Manny, and I'm actually going to go the single-player double-A studio that makes those triple-A-looking games, like Hellblade, Son of a Sacrifice, and then even like A Way Out. I think you're going to see a lot more of these studios who take the time to make the game they want to make, and even like Kingdom Come Deliverance. That's obviously a much different version of what I'm talking about because while it is an indie studio making a game that looks like it could be a triple-A game, it's incredibly long. Like, you're putting, like, 100 hours into that game. Um, where these other ones are more of, we're telling a story. It's going to be, you know, five to seven hours. This is our story we want to tell. And I think there's a big market in that because you look at some people and, like, the attention spans they have with games. Not everybody wants to play, you know, those 50, 60, 70-hour games where you're doing those checklist items like a Far Cry. It's like, I, I always can refer to them as, like, a checklist open world game where you just kind of run, you go into a region and you run down a checklist of all the stuff that you got to do. Yep. Um, not yep. everybody likes that. Some people are looking to sit back for a few hours at a time, play a very linear-driven story, um, so that way they can experience something that was created by these smaller studios who have a specific vision. And I think it's, um, you're, we're starting to see it much more and they're getting a lot more mainstream publicity. Like look at all the awards Hellblade won. And you know, that was um, Ninja Theory is a small studio. They've been working on that game for years and they did it the way they wanted to do it. Same thing with Kingdom Come Deliverance. They took a lot of flack for the portrayal of, bohemia at that time because you know there's not many people of color in the game and he stood by his vision he's he was basically saying 
I did a lot of research. We had we had a team of researchers, and at that time, in this you know nine kilometer section of Bohemia, it would be rare. And so, no matter how much negative publicity he got, he was like, "This is the game I wanted to make. You don't have to play it. You don't have to like it." And I think the indie studios being able to say that and not have to answer to a lot of you know the higher ups yeah um, as we call it the man so they can make the game they want to make and the time that they want to make it and obviously kickstarters and gofundmes are awesome for these types of projects i think we're starting to see it a lot more and i I think it helps too because there is such a need for those single player games out there because not every day you want to interact with people on multiplayer. Some days you want to sit back and have that immersive experience where it's just you in the game. So I'm hoping we actually see more of it. And um, I'm glad you have companies like Sony who open their doors to indies. And now, especially Nintendo Switch, they're trying to get as, as many indie developers as they can. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be, like, if we look at, like, uh, who was it, Bethesda? What was their, like, slogan? It's like, save first player games or something. Um, and so I, it's going to be communities supporting those kinds of projects that will make that you know make that vision into into reality and and i don't think there's it's not necessarily two separate sides i think like you said it depends on what you feel like doing sometimes i feel like playing overwatch and other times i feel like you know run around and playing uh rocket league by myself you know offline so um, that was such there's... a terrible example <laughs> of all the one player games you have you go to a, a usual two player game <laughs> Whatever, man. Uh, it's like you know. Sometimes I play like you know Counter Strike by myself. Or something. <laughs> it's like sometimes I'll 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 get into Ghost Recon Wildlands. I'm working shooting buddy. I'll just sit I'll sit and think about my life. Yeah, such an outrageous like you know. I'll, I'll, I'll just play a way out by myself. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Sometimes I'll just I'll, I'll play Sea of Thieves. I won't even get in my boat. I'll just swim around. <laughs> Time will tell if any of these trends become reality. With that, folks, it's time for Patch Notes, where we update you on the news that broke since last we spoke. The gaming news, to be exact. Uh, Patch Notes 3.30.18. Christine will go first. (laughs) I'll take the helm. (laughs) So Overwatch, or Blizzard really, uh, has dropped a teaser for its next big event coming April 10th. Maybe. Which... So soon. Yes, I can't wait. So last year it was the Uprising event, which was lore focused, talking about um, like the Omnic crisis and them like fighting against the Overwatch group. And you got to play between, what was it, Torbjorn, Tracer, Mercy, and I forget who the other one was. And they released a tweet that actually, when you play it glitched, they said, oh, uh, initiating archive declassification. And mission files unlock April 10th, which is when we'll be getting the patch um, that afternoon. Yeah, so it says that the event or whatever happened was from seven years ago, but then it'll glitch and say eight years ago, and they change the file name from King Ro- King's Row Uprising to Blackwatch Archives. So we're thinking that we'll get a new game mode with the event and focus more on like the Blackwatch organization. Yeah, which I'm so excited about. Yeah, so I'm really, really looking forward to that. When is April 10th? Uh, okay, so that's it's a like Tuesday. Two and a half weeks. Yeah, so I'll be at work that day. <laughs> but um, I'm really looking forward to it because I love their events. I think they do such a good job and they're so much fun. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I love the content that comes out 
um, especially like the cosmetic stuff that comes oh, out with um, <laughs> events. Like, fucking sign me up. <laughs> I haven't played Overwatch in, in a little bit too long. I gotta get, I gotta get back to it. Yeah, I am such um, a super casual Overwatch player, <laughs> and by that I mean I'm a terrible Overwatch player. <laughs> I've, I I will say I rarely when I play I rarely play with uh, Soldier anymore. Wow, Branched that's amazing. Out. Yeah, I don't even yeah. understand how you don't play as him like, i feel like you guys were attached at the hip we sure were i play a lot of uh farah um, oh great so now you can take the other one i like <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah i'll switch once a month when you feel like playing overwatch Farrah. Uh, it's not even once a month at this point. been playing a lot well, of I reaper mean, lately so many games yeah. it's true it's too many uh i'll go next for uh patch notes uh, mine is No Man's Sky related. So this is coming from Polygon. No Man's Sky next update teased, uh, and the game is heading to Xbox One. Um, oh. Hello Games is planning a new update for the space, space exploration No Man's Sky. Uh, it's called Next, and it's to be launched in August. No Man's Sky will also be released on o- Xbox One later this year to complement current platforms, PlayStation 4 and PC. Hello Games isn't yet revealing the details of what the, quote, next update will actually entail, but according to co-founder Sean Murray, the update is based on player feedback. It will also expand on the story themes introduced in previous updates. Uh, It goes on, he says, we call this update next because it's an important next step uh, on a longer journey for us and the community, said Murray. Uh, We've been working our socks off and it's by far our biggest update so far. It will be free to existing players and will continue to support the No Man's Sky uh, this way in the foreseeable future. Um, So their last update was last summer, and it's the um, Atlas Rises update. And it added, apparently, 30 more hours to the actual story. Not to the overall gameplay, because you can float around in space until you die. Um, But apparently, there's people out there who are still very passionate about the game, and I commend them. That's fine. It definitely lost me. It was one of the first games I got for my PS4 when I got it, and... It just didn't move the needle for me, unfortunately. But I do respect companies that listen to their communities and iterate on feedback and always build towards their users. I think that's great. Um, like I think Ubisoft did that very well with For Honor, with you know Rainbow Six Siege and uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands. So I like the fact that there's companies and studios that are listening to what their players are saying um, and helping them, you know, helping deliver a better product to them. Uh, it was interesting. I had a conversation with Caleb and Reese about this and how, you know, I was saying that Ubisoft does do a good job at this kind of thing and listening to their community and, and you know, working to build better products for them. And Reese was essentially like, why are you congratulating a studio for releasing broken products? And I'm like, I understand that. And, and that's a fine position to have. But I also think for me personally, I look at it as it's a service and like even though it sucks i think it's unrealistic to expect any service to be perfect especially when it's first released and so i will more often than not give if i'm excited about a game and i'm and i enjoy it to a degree i'll give a studio some chances to iterate and listen to feedback that is what i did with with wildlands and and it paid off that's what i did with for honor and it paid off um and some other games so Anyway, yeah, great for No Man's Sky. I won't be playing it, but I assume some folks will. <laughs> I feel like they made a lot of promises and they didn't deliver on it. And that, right. I, like, they're not the first game studio to do that. So it's like, oh, yeah, you're listening to your player feedback now, but you promised all this stuff and didn't deliver on half of it. So 
a lot of people feel very jaded and they're like, okay, that's nice, but why wasn't this available, you know, when the game came out, which you said would be. So I could understand why a lot of people would be like, okay, that's nice, have fun. <laughs> yeah. If you want to play a good No Man's Sky game, play Subnautica. It's exactly everything uh, No Man's Sky should be and better. Just in the ocean. But it's an alien ocean. Ooh. Space ocean, which is actually my rapper name. All right, Steve, what do you got for uh, for patch notes? Well, in light of your never-ending love for the Sony PSVR. I love it. They're so doing much. you a service, buddy. This is actually directed towards you. This is from PlayStation. They said, Manny Perez, I know dear Manny, how you feel about our system. I hear you. I'm listening to you. And I'm responding to you. This is place. This isn't me. This is PlayStation. Yeah, and of course. They then went on to say, "Just for you, Manny, because of what you said on the Over Gaming podcast, the video games podcast about video games that we listen to all the time." They said we're lowering the price permanently to three hundred dollars. Oh, okay, cool. Which is a pretty good bundle because it yeah, comes no, with the that's... headset. It comes with the camera. Gets all the good stuff, and uh, then you can go join the VR world. For $300, yeah. which is the cheapest out there. And they're also like still like the most successful selling VR set. Yeah, I mean, that's great. I, I do appreciate the fact that they're going to lower the price and make it more accessible so people can get into that on-ramp. And just like I was, what I was talking about before, which is like every new digital product needs early adopters. People who are buying, Greg Miller says it all the time, people are buying PSVR knowing that it's not going to be an amazing, flawless, polished experience. And that's because Sony is very open about what it is. They exactly. never misled anybody on what it was. They're like, this is we're taking a stab at it. We're, we're dipping our toes yeah. into this. We're trying to make it happen. And I think it's one of those things you could definitely tell that they will be listening to feedback. For sure. No, like no question. They definitely are. But when they come out with two version 2.0 or 3.0, that's when I'll invest. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And um, I got to ask, when you were playing it, were you playing standing up? Uh, I did both. Yeah, I did stationary and standing up. Because I w I've been watching the, the kind of funny PSVR show. It's it's hilarious. Like, they look yeah. like they're having such a good time. Because um, they were playing, uh, Kevin was playing Accounting Plus. Yeah. And, like, Greg's just sitting next to him. He's, like, talking to him throughout. But it's so funny to watch because Kevin would, like, turn to look at Greg. <laughs> look at something. Maybe looking at Greg <laughs> on the couch. Yeah. And Greg's just sitting there, like, completely unfazed. So it's super yeah, if, entertaining. If, if you ever get a chance to just, like, hang out with somebody while they're playing a VR game and fuck with them, it's the most fun you'll yeah. ever have. And, um, but it looked it looked like it wasn't too bad because Kevin was just sitting down. He was able to do everything like, without moving too much. Yeah. It, it, from what I've seen, it honestly is just, like, a nice introduction to VR. They're, they're just mm -hmm. trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work. And I, 10 years from now... VR is gonna look a completely different product. It'll be like uh, Black Mirror. It'll be playtest where they inject something in the back of our head, and then you know our phone goes off and our brain fries, and we die, and the whole episode was a dream. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I I agree that like PSVR did it is doing the it right. It's doing VR right. It's saying, hey, we don't really know what we're doing, but we're gonna learn by you testing it and telling us what's right and what's wrong. And I, again, I love that. I will never fault a studio for that. I just, the, the mistake It's not the mistake a good I system made, for you, yeah. Exactly. And the mistake I made was playing the Vive before playing the PSVR. And there, at the time, there was like a four to $500 difference in those, in those uh, systems. And with that comes completely different computing power. And so I spoiled myself and I totally realized that. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I look forward to when PSVR really gets its legs under itself. 
because I'm a PlayStation person and I will always support them um, or at least try to depending on the product. And yeah, I look forward to that day. It'll be, it'll be rad. But in the meantime, you can catch me in outer space dog. Cause I'll be playing no man's sky. <laughs> but in the meantime, that was patch notes 3.30.18 where we update you on the gaming news app broke since last we spoke. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you liked it. <laughs> <laughs> and if you didn't, uh, watch yourself. So let's move on to some community stuff. Today's community shout out goes to our good friend Tech on Seven. We miss you, buddy. Come back to us. We miss you and we love you. Tech on Seven. Uh, he's a great, great guy. Uh, I met him way back when I first met Toot as well. Um, he streams, he games, he tweets. He's great. You can check him out at twitch.tv slash techon7. That's T-E-C-H-O-N and then the number seven. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at twitter.com. That's where you can find him on Twitter. Techon7. You can find him on Twitter at the techon7. And one of the main reasons we're telling him we miss him is because he's got a job that takes him a lot of his time. So he doesn't get the game as much, which is a shame because he's a great dude and we're trying to lure him back into gaming. Uh, so he also has a website called thriftgaming.com where essentially he breaks down all the things about gaming and how to access them in a, in a reasonably financial fashion. So he'll help you find all the best gaming gear. Uh, he'll give you gaming reviews and he'll talk about um, all things gaming and how to not break the bank while being a gamer. So go check them out. Tech on. We miss you. Come back to us. Hopefully we'll see you soon. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed episode 23 as much as we enjoyed making episode 23. Please don't forget to give us a call. If you want to share your thoughts, let us know what you thought about the episode or anything else. Give us a ring at 347-509-5620. And if you feel so inclined, check us out on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Play, on Stitcher. We are everywhere, so please check out the podcast, and if you like what you hear, feel free to give us a review, a rating, a comment, whatever you'd like. It goes a long way. And if you don't like us, what are you doing? What are you doing listening to us right now? You're wasting your time, and ours, frankly. So with that, folks, as always, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, we appreciate you, and we'll talk to you very soon. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed making it from you. Please. From you? (laughs) (laughs) I haven't had my coffee. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed taking it from you. (laughs) 